Amen. All right, we're there in Luke chapter number 8. And of course, we are going through this uh, series called Journey with Jesus, a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Luke. We finished chapter 7 this morning, and we're going to go into chapter 8 tonight. And of course, chapter 8, as we just read the entire chapter, has a lot of great stories uh, in it, and we're going to uh, look at all those and study all those out. Tonight, we're going to just look at the first part of Luke Uh, chapter number 8. If you look down at verse number 1, the Bible says, and it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were uh, with him. And if you notice there in verse number 2, it says, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others uh, which ministered unto him of their substance. And tonight, I, I want to just focus in on these uh, few verses here where we uh, see a couple of things about the ministry of Christ. We see, uh, first of all, how re- Jesus reached people during his ministry, and we also see who uh, Jesus reached. And I think it's interesting if you just kind of dissect these verses uh, to consider the fact that we see here in verse number 1 that Jesus is the one who instituted this idea of soul winning. If you look at verse 1 again, it says, and it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village. It was a systematic, uh, planned out thing to go out into every city, into every village. You say, what were they doing? They were preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. The Bible defines the gospel as the good news or the glad tidings. They were going through every city and village in the nation of Israel, and they were uh, making sure that the gospel uh, had been preached. And as a result, the Lord Jesus Christ was bringing people into his ministry. He was, they were reaching people. And I, and I want to just highlight for you the type of people that Jesus was reaching. And I, the reason I want to highlight it for you is because, of course, this should be a pattern for us as a church as to who it is that we should be reaching. Who should we be reaching as a local New Testament church? Who should we be looking to reach? Well, notice, first of all, there in verse number one, the end of the verse, it says, and the twelve were with him. The 12 is referring to, of course, the 12 apostles. And I want you to notice, and if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. When we look at this idea of who it is that the Lord Jesus Christ was reaching through his ministry, number one, Jesus was reaching working men. When you look at the apostles, and I've showed you this in the past, you'll notice that these were all working men, men that you would call maybe middle-class uh, type men. Now, keep your place there in Luke chapter 8, if you would. That's our text for tonight. But go with me just real quickly to the book of Psalms. If you open up your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 12, and look at verse number 1. Psalm 12 and verse 1. One thing I'm thankful for uh, our church, uh, Verity Baptist Church, is that we are a church filled with men. And uh, praise the Lord for that. They, none of them say amen, but they're there. And, um, you know, <laughs> these guys, always messing with these guys. I guess they were expecting the ladies to say amen. Let's try that again. One thing I'm thankful for is that we're a church filled with men. Yeah. All right, well, that sounds more like a church filled with men. Praise the Lord for that. And, uh, we're, we, and you know, but if you, if, you ever, if you grew up in our type of churches, you'll notice that uh, a lot of churches today are churches that men are not a part of. And many churches are filled with women, and praise God for women, and they're filled with children, and praise God for children. We've got women, and we've got children. But I'm thankful that we've got men in our uh, ministry, that we have uh, men that are leading their families, leading their wives, leading their children. And Jesus was a man that went out, and he 
found men. In fact, he found 12 men, 12 men to help him with his ministry. You're there in Psalm 12. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. And that is as true today as it was in the day that it was penned by David, because the truth is this, the godly man ceaseth. Finding godly men that love the Lord, that love their wives, that love their children, and that are leading their children in the direction of the Lord, that is a rare thing to find a godly man. The godly man ceaseth. The faithful fail from among the children of men. You're there in Psalms. Go over to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. Look at verse 6. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. The Bible says, Proverbs 20 and verse 6, Most men will proclaim everyone is his own goodness. Notice this question, though, at the end. But the faithful man... Who can find? So we see that finding a faithful man is a difficult thing. The godly man ceaseth, the Bible says. The Bible tells us that it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. And Jesus, when he was going out having his ministry, what he was looking for and what he was trying to find was uh, working men. Uh, men that would work, men that were uh, willing to put effort into his ministry. And he found 12, 12 men uh, called the apostles that were helping him in this ministry. Go back to the book of Luke, if you would. Uh, But go to Luke chapter 5, if you would. Let me just show you, and I've done this before, uh, but I'd like to show you uh, that these men, when when, when Jesus was looking for men to work in his ministry, he found men at work. He, was, he found working men. And that's what we're looking for. You say, what are we looking for at Verity Baptist Church? We're looking for men that are not afraid to work. Men that are not afraid to work uh, in, in their obviously secular physical lives, but to roll up their sleeves and work uh, for the Lord. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says, obviously, maybe you're an older man and you're retired, but you worked your whole life and you're willing to work for the Lord now, and we appreciate you and praise God for that. Luke chapter 5, look at verse 1. The Bible says, and it came to pass, as the people uh, pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret and uh, saw two ships, this is referring to Jesus, he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Skip down to verse 10. Notice what it says there in Luke 5. It says, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus uh, said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Here we have Jesus. He's looking for men to bring into his ministry, to put to work. And he finds men that are at work. He saw these two ships and the fishermen were washing their nets. He finds James and John and Simon. Also Andrew, we're told, in another gospel. And he uh, uh, enlists them into the work of the ministry. Look down at verse number 27, the same chapter there, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Luke 5, 27. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all, rose up and followed him. Levi is the apostle that we know by the name of Matthew. And again, here's another apostle. Where did Jesus find him? He found, he found him at work. He saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. 
custom. He was at work uh, doing his job, and Jesus said, follow me, and he left all and followed him. And I just want to point out to you, and I've done this before, but it's good for us to be reminded that there is a theme in the Bible that when God used men uh, for his ministry, he always found working men, men that would work. Go to Acts if you would, Acts chapter 4, you're there in Luke Go past John into the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. Uh, we won't look at this, but when, G- when God was looking for a man to raise his son, Jesus, he chose Joseph a carpenter, a working man. When he's looking for disciples, he chose Peter, James, John, and Andrew, fishermen, working men. He chose Levi, a tax collector. Not a very good job, but he was a working man. Uh, Bar- uh, in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, we see Barnabas. Notice there, Acts 4, 36, and Joseph, uh, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Here we have Barnabas. What was it? He was a landowner. He owned property. And here we see that he sold some property. And he uh, gave a special offering to the church. But we see this man was a landowner. We might today call him a real estate investor. But here was a working man. Go to Acts chapter 18. Look at verse 1. You're there in Acts 4. Just flip over to Acts chapter 18 and verse 1. Acts 18 and verse 1. The Bible says, After these things... Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought by their occupation. Notice the Bible says they were tent makers. So notice that Paul himself was a tent maker. Here we have Aquila with him. He was a tent maker. It, God, it just, God seems to highlight this idea that whenever he's looking for a man to put him to work, he's looking for a man that's already working, already doing something for God. Go to Colossians, if you would. Colossians chapter 4, you're there in Acts. You go past Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 4, look at verse 14, here we have the Apostle Paul speaking about another gospel writer, Luke, notice what he says, he says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you, here we have Luke, and we're told his occupation, he was a physician, he was a doctor, and again, this idea, this highlighting of the fact that God is looking for working men. I'd like you to do me a favor, put a ribbon or something there in Luke, uh, excuse me, in Colossians, because we're going to come back to this part of the Bible here in a minute, uh, and go back to Luke chapter number 8, keep your place there in Colossians, and go back to Luke chapter 8. I'm telling you tonight that Jesus, when he was looking to build his ministry, he was reaching and looking to reach working men. That's what he looked for in order to be able to uh, uh, have his ministry. And at Verity Baptist Church, this is one of our goals is to, first of all, let me just say again, Praise the Lord that we have a church filled with men. We have a church filled with men that love the Lord, that work, uh, serve God, that work, uh, work for God. Recently, somebody said to me uh, that they, had, uh, they were impressed with our church as they had looked around at all of the men. They'd never seen so many men holding babies. And uh, praise God for that. And, of course, these men are helping their wives and making sure their wives are in the service and giving their wives break uh, and, and all of that. We, of course, are a family-integrated church and, and thank the Lord for that. But I'm just here to tell you, 
That's what we were looking for. That's what we've been looking for. And that's what we will continue to look for. You say, who are you trying to reach? We're trying to reach working men. We're trying to reach men that are working. We're trying to find men. And when God looked at, we could, we could go through the Old Testament. God was looking for, uh, uh, for a man. Uh, 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 and, 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 he, and he found working men. He found that men that were at work. Pharaoh told Joseph, find me men of activity. You find the prophet Amos. He was called of God while he was out uh, as a herdman. You remember Elisha who was called of God while he's out working in the field. God is working. God is looking for working men. I remember when I was a uh, a teenager, uh, I, I I would listen to a bunch of preaching from you know these old time preachers and Pastor Anderson and I back back in the day would would uh, would uh, we would have all these preaching tapes and we would I listen to a good one and he listened to a good one and we trade them back and forth and things like that. One of my favorite sermons was from a f- conference called Pastor School. If you grow up old IFB, you might be familiar with the conference. It was at First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana, back in the heydays of of that church when Jack Hiles was a pastor. And there was a uh, sermon. I, I, I love the sermon. It's one of my favorites. One of my favorite sermons back then, and I've kind of re-preached it here uh, several times. That it was called "Reaching Middle Class America." And the idea was that that great First Baptist Church of Hammond had been built on the fact that they had learned to reach men. They had learned to reach working men. And they found these working men and they put them to work. And I remember thinking to myself back then, and as a young preacher, as we started Verity Baptist Church, my idea was that we need to find men. We need to find men that work hard and that want to uh, work for the Lord. I remember early on, in our church, when we had uh, very few people, we're meeting in our living room. Uh, years and years ago, we started our church 11 years ago, my wife and I, in our living room. We had a handful of people, and we started having people come. And I remember somebody, a man, telling me that he was not going to continue to come to our church because we did not have any other men. And I, I remember thinking to myself, well, yeah, we're not going to have any men. If you're the only man here, if you leave, that's why we don't have any men. What about the next guy? He's going to say, well, there's no men here because you left, you know? I remember uh, couples telling us, well, we're not going to continue to come to church because there's no other children. I was like, well, yeah, because you got all the children, we, you know? And, and there was this kind of this. But once we got a group of men, and once we got a group of, of, of wives, and once we got a group of, of, of children, then, of course, all of that became a little easier. But I'm just here to tell you, Every church, a healthy church, is a church filled with godly men. And you say, what did Verity Baptist Church need 11 years ago? It needed men. What does Verity Baptist Church need tonight? It needs some godly men. It needs some men that are going to be involved and that are going to take their walk with God seriously and that are going to lead their wives and lead their children. Hey, we need men that are going to come to church and they're going to pay attention during church. We need men that are going to take soul winning seriously and Bible reading seriously and discipling their children seriously. We need some men that are going to go out in the secular world and work hard and then they're going to come in to the church world and church life and work hard for the Lord. See, Jesus was building a ministry and he found 12 men. And you know what I believe? I believe if just 12 men in this church would get on fire for God, we could conquer this city for Christ. So what do we need? We need men. Jesus was looking for men. He was working for working men. He was working for men that, 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 that had jobs and they were willing to work for the Lord. He found 12 men to help him in the ministry. Jesus was reaching working men and we need to reach working men. And that means we need to raise some working men. That means we need to find some working men. That means we need to get rid of some lazy men. <laughs> we need men. 
Every strong ministry is going to be a ministry built on men that will stand up and say, no, I will lead. We talked about it on Father's Day. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus was reaching men. And I'm always, I'm always weary of a pastor that can't reach other men. You go to these churches and they're all filled with women and children. And, and, and I, I worry about a pastor that does, lacks the ability of leading other men. We need to reach men. I'm thankful for the men we have. We need more of them. We need more men that will stand up and serve God. But I want you to notice, secondly, not only was Jesus serving, uh, reaching men, Luke chapter 8, if you would, go back to Luke chapter 8. We saw there at the end of verse 1, and the 12 were with him, 12 men he chose, 12 men he found out working and brought them into the ministry. Jesus was reaching working men, but I want you to notice, secondly, Jesus was also reaching involved women. His ministry was not only a ministry of men. Now, praise God for it. He had some men to help him. But in verse 2, the Bible says this, And certain women, and certain women, which he had healed of evil spirits and infirmities. We're going to come back to that. And he begins to list off the names of these women. Mary, called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Notice verse 3. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. I want you to notice that not only was Jesus reaching working men in the ministry, but Jesus was reaching involved women. He was reaching women that were involved in the work of God. Go to Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 16. You're there in Luke. You go past John, Acts, into the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. This is a verse I reference a lot. I like it. Not only have I seen churches that are filled with women, lacking men, I've also seen churches that maybe are filled with women and have just a few men or a handful of men, but then those same churches, none of the women serve. None of the women are involved. There's lots of them, but there's lots of them not doing a lot. There's few men, but they're the ones that are serving. I mean, I've gone to, I grew up going to churches with 100 people in it, and you show up for soul winning, and there's 100 people in church, and eight people show up for soul winning, and all eight of them are men. Some churches get this idea that soul winning is not for women, that serving is not for women. This is not the ministry that Jesus had. Jesus reached. I want you to notice how balanced Jesus was. He had working men, but he also had certain women. Mary called Magdalene and Joanna and Susanna. And he had these uh, other, the Bible tells us many others, many other women that served alongside with him. Romans chapter 16 and verse 1. Here's what Paul said about a certain woman in, in, in this ministry. He said, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of, 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 of the church, which is at Sincrea. I'm here to tell you, not only do we need some working men, but we also need some involved women that will be servants like this Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church. Women that will say the ministry is not just for men. Working for God is not just for men. Women that will stand up and say, I can be involved in the work of God. I can get involved in the ministry of the Lord. I can get involved in in doing uh, some things for God. Go to Philippians, if you would, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, you're there in Romans. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter number 4. And you know, some of you ladies, 
could be highly used of the Lord to help a ministry like ours because of the fact that we have a lot of working men, and praise God for that, but a lot of these men are busy 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, out working in the secular world and providing for their families, and they're busy, and praise God for it. Some of you ladies could step in in certain ministries and help, and you could be like this Phoebe, which was a servant of the church. You could get involved in, 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 in helping. Uh, one thing that we've talked about recently is on Monday mornings having a ministry here uh, for for cleaning the, the church building and getting it ready for the next service. And a lot of guys show up to that. Some of them, their schedules allows them to do that and praise the Lord for that. Some of you ladies are just sitting at home on Mondays doing a whole lot of nothing and you could get involved. I'm not, talking to, I'm not talking to you if you just had a baby, all right? What, I, what I've learned is sometimes I make these comments and then the people that should feel guilty don't feel guilty and the ladies that, that shouldn't feel guilty do feel guilty. You know, I get up and preach about, some of you ladies, you know, you're sitting around at home doing nothing. I'm talking about these young ladies have no babies, have nothing going on in life. They could get up and come help clean a building. Some mom shows up with three kids and I'm here. I feel bad. And it's like, I'm not, I wasn't talking to you. You just had a baby two weeks ago. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the fact that, hey, everyone needs to get involved in the work of God. And don't get this attitude, well, I'm just a lady. Well, you can work. Amen. You can serve God. You can get involved. You can be like this Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which that's in Korea. Philippians chapter 4. And by the way, you ought to serve, and, 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 but it's not just serving. Hey, women should be involved in soul winning. Amen. Say, are you against women preachers? I'm against women preachers behind the pulpit, but I'm all for women preaching the gospel. Out in the community, Philippians 4, verse 3, there's what Paul said. He said, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women. There's what Paul said. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel. With Clement also and with other, my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And I want you to notice that Paul said there were some women that labored with me in the gospel. And I'm thankful for the fact that you show up here on a Saturday morning and you'll see a crowd of, the, uh, yesterday we had 105 salt winners in this auditorium uh, as we went out on Saturday morning. And, and, and many of them were women. And we've got all sorts of women that serve God and go soul winning. And I'm thankful for that. And I want to make sure you say, why preach a sermon like this? Well, I'm preaching it because we're in Luke 8. But while we're at it, let me just go ahead and help the culture of Verity Baptist Church. Hey, men, make sure you're men that love the Lord. Make sure you're men that are setting the right example. Make sure you're men that are paying attention during the preaching, that are uh, uh, involved in the things of God, that are leading your family. And ladies, you ladies, make sure you get involved and don't look at the ministry as something that's just for men. Hey, you get involved in the work of God. You be a soul winner. You say, how am I going to go soul winning with all these kids? It's called family integrated. Family integrated church, family integrated soul winning. Take your kids with you. Train them to be a uh, to be a soul winner. Where there's a will, there's a way. I remember years ago, my wife and I started this church, and we didn't have anybody to go soul winning with. No, we didn't have any soul winners. And there was no. We, there were some men that I would go with from time to time, but there was no lady soul winners. And we had these little kids, and we're trying to figure out. My wife wanted to go soul winning. We're trying to figure out, and, and we, you know, we, we just kind of thought, we thought, well, there's, there's got to be a way to do this. And, um, you know, something we came up with years ago, and you don't have to do this now because we've got systems for you to help you. But one thing that we did is we realized that these, a lot of these apartment complexes have little playgrounds. Because I didn't want my wife out soul winning by herself, obviously, and that you want to protect and, and, and all those things. 
And one thing we did was I would take the, the, my, my sons and they would play in this playground at the park and I would watch them there as my wife went soul winning around the playground into these different apartment complexes and I could uh, keep an eye on her and she could uh, do her duty of being a soul winner. I- I'm just here to tell you, you can get it done. You ought to be a soul winner, ladies. Soul winning is not just for men. Now, let, let me just say this because you, you, you have to give all these disclaimers because people sometimes, they, they take things when you have family integrated soul winning, realize that a mom out there with a bunch of kids and a dad, they're, gonna, they're probably going to walk at a little slower pace and maybe do a little less than, than some of you young people out there without some kids. You understand that? It's 105 degrees outside and you've already been out for an hour and 20 minutes, you know, and maybe the kids need to take a break. That's okay. You know, some of you guys, young, young men out there, you can be out there for three hours in the heat and praise God for it. You ought to work. Just, just realize that we don't all have to do uh, the, 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 the same things. We don't all have to accomplish the same thing. When I was a young man, Pastor Anderson and I, we were in church together before either one was a pastor, and we averaged four to sometimes eight, 12 hours of soul winning every week. Back, I didn't have kids. I wasn't even married then. We had the time, and we had the ability to do it. I'm just telling you, you know, you say, well, I got these kids, how are you doing? Maybe you, maybe you just go for an hour. Maybe you go for an hour and 20 minutes. Maybe you don't finish your math and, and you turn it back in. Maybe you go a little slower and take some breaks and, and nurse that baby and make sure everybody's hydrated. Look, I'm just saying, let's get everyone involved in the work of God. Amen. Jesus was reaching these women and they were involved in the ministry. Paul talked about these women that... Uh, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with other, my fellow laborers. He talked about Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea. I just think it's interesting looking at the people that Jesus reached. Go back to Luke chapter 8. First we see that he was reaching working men, and praise God for that. We need some working men, and we've got some working men. We need them to keep working, and we need more men, more working men, more men that will lead their wives. More men that will lead their children. More men that will volunteer. More men that will take their walk with God seriously. More men that will read their Bibles and pray and raise up a generation of, of, of soldiers for the Lord. We need some men. We need some involved women. Women who say, oh, the ministry is just for, uh, for, for dad. The ministry is just for a man. No, no, mom, you make sure you get up and you read your Bible tomorrow morning. Mom, you make sure you have a prayer time and a prayer life. Make sure you walk with God and make sure you set the right example for your children. Make sure you're faithful to church and make sure you're faithful to soul winning and make sure that you are uh, everything you're supposed to be. I'm just telling you, Jesus was reaching some working men. Jesus was reaching some involved women. But there's a third category I want you to notice who Jesus was reaching. Working men, involved women. Look at it again, Luke chapter 8, verse 2. And certain women. It says certain women because it was just any women. We talked about it a little bit this morning. Look at the type of woman that Jesus was reaching. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene. Here's a specific example. Mary Magdalene, you've heard of her. Out of whom he sent seven devils. Not only was Jesus reaching working men, not only was Jesus reaching involved women, uh, but notice that Jesus was reaching people who had previously been demon-possessed, who had evil spirits, 
who had infirmities, and specifically Mary Magdalene, who had seven devils that Jesus cast out of her. These were the type of people that Jesus was reaching. You say, what type of people was Jesus reaching? He was reaching people with a past. We talked about it a little bit this morning. He was reaching people that maybe had a past, a sinful past, a past of, uh, of drugs and alcohol and prostitution and evil spirits and these devils and being devil-possessed. These were the type of people that Jesus was reaching. Go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, if you would. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse 30. Luke chapter 5 and verse 30, the Bible says, But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Remember, we saw that this morning. Look at verse 31. And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus was asked, Why... Why do you hang out with these types of people? I mean, look at them. They look like a hot mess. Look at them. They've got tattoos everywhere. Look at them. They look like they've been on drugs their whole life. Look at them. They look like they've had a rough life. They've been demon-possessed. Why do you hang out with these people? Why are these their followers? And Jesus says, hey, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. You know that there are churches out there who make it their churches goal, and they set up systems to only reach a certain type of person. I mean, there, there's an independent Baptist church just right, right down the street from here. They don't knock doors, but they put out a lot of flyers. And we knock every door in this area. You know what? I, and I, I notice every, every nice neighborhood I go to, I see their flyers. Never put a flyer in my door. Never put a flyer in any of the doors in my neighborhood. And it just becomes obvious when you start going to different neighborhoods that, oh, this church is only interested in knocking doors at a certain wage level. Only interested in reaching a certain demographic. They're only, I mean, I've literally, I've literally known of churches that say, we are reaching people. I've known of independent, fundamental Baptists that say, we are reach, we're trying to reach this. These are the people that God has called us to reach. God has called us to reach people that make somewhere between eighty and 100000 a year. Literally. And if you're not in that, in that realm, in that wage range, then we're not interested in you. That's not who Jesus was. You say, who was re- Jesus reaching? He was reaching working men. Who was Jesus reaching? He was reaching involved women. But who was Jesus reaching? Hey, he was reaching people with a past. He was preaching, reaching people that maybe they, they had some problems, they had some issues, they needed some help. He said, hey, they that are whole, he said, we're a spiritual hospital. They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If Jesus would have put an ad out on the newspaper, he would have said, righteous need not apply. I mean, look, you say, Pastor Menes, what kind, what kind of person, what kind of people are you looking for? We're looking for sinners. Amen. And look, I, I praise God that we've got some people in this church that have grown up 
independent fundamental Baptists and they're, and they're conservative and they've got short haircuts and they dress right and look right and praise the Lord for that. And, and we're going to have more and more of that as these kids that are being born into this ministry grow up within our ministry. But look, you say, what is your goal? Here's my goal. My goal is that we have some young men and some young ladies that you look at them and it's obvious that they've lived a life of purity, that they've lived a life of uh, cleanliness, that they've been raised in some good homes and they're working hard and they're raising their children for God. Hey, that's my goal. My goal is that all the kids in this church grow up and the young men go off and they work hard and they make money and they get married and they support their families and the wives homeschool the children and they uh, and they raise up their children in the nurture and admonition Lord. and it's obvious. You look at a young couple and say, this couple's been in church and you know, you say, what's your goal? My goal is this, that you'll have that couple sitting next to another couple with holes in their ears down to here and tattoos on their face that didn't grow up in a church like this. And somebody knocked on their door and preached the gospel to them and brought them in here. Say, so what kind of, what kind of uh, criteria are you uh, looking for? Here's the only criteria. Do they have a soul that can be saved? Say, so you want them to be a certain, in a certain demographic? No. I don't care. I'll take them any which way we can get them. I'll take them poor. I'll take them rich. I'll take them clean cut. I'll take them tattooed. I'll take them with a clean record and with felonies. Fat, skinny, black, white, old, young, doesn't matter me. We'll take them all. If they got a soul that Jesus died for, we'll love them. We'll take them. We'll accept them. We'll, we'll bring them in. Hey, Jesus was reaching people with a past. People that you could look at and say, hmm, there's a story there. He's reaching them. I said this morning, people that were not like Jesus, like Jesus. Jesus was reaching the working man. Jesus was reaching involved women. Jesus was reaching people with a past. I want you to notice fourthly tonight, Jesus also reaching People with resources. Look at verse 3 again. Luke chapter, three, Luke chapter 8, verse 3. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, notice this, Herod's steward. A steward is a manager in the Bible times and even in the 1700s in, in our country. You would have these positions in a household where there would be a steward. And the steward would pretty much be the one that ran the entire household for some sort of political leader, rich person, something like that. Here we're told that Herod, remember Herod in the Bible? Very powerful man. Herod had a steward who was the steward of his house. And apparently this steward's wife, Joanna, was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I always think it's funny when Paul writes these letters and he says, and he talks about greeting the people in Caesar's household. Paul was reaching people in the household of Caesar. Jesus was reaching people in the household of Herod. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him. Notice what it says, of their substance. These were people with money. These were people with resources. These were people that had the financial ability to minister unto 
the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says they ministered unto him of their substance. So what kind of people was Jesus reaching? He was reaching working men. He was reaching involved women. He was reaching people where they passed. And he was reaching people with resources. We might call these rich people. They were all being reached by the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Genesis chapter 13, if you would, in the Bible, in the first book in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 13. You'll notice as you study the Word of God that God often used rich people. Now, the Bible talks about a lot about rich people. The Bible talks about unsaved rich people and how it's difficult for them to be saved because of their riches. The Bible tells us to labor not to be rich. And the Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. Those are all warnings that God gives us in regards to money. But understand this, that there's nothing sinful about money. There's only something sinful in being controlled and loving money. And in the Bible, we find that there were some people who were not controlled by money, who did not have a love for money, who were not making their goal to be rich, instead making their goal, hey, let me ask you this question. Whatever happened to God? Make God your goal. So what's my goal in life? Your goal ought to be God. Ought to be close to God, to love God, to please God, to work for God. And, you know, there was people in the Bible that their goal was God. And in the process, because their goal was God, God was able to bless them with riches, financial substance. He could trust them with that. Now, here's the, the sad thing is God can't trust everybody with money. I mean, there, there are some of you that you, you, you're going to be broke and you've got to stay broke because it's the only way you serve God. I mean, I've seen that over the last 11 years. I remember there was a guy started coming to our church. He came to church, and he was all broken and lived not too far from here, walking to church, and started getting, obviously, was a rock, someone you could tell they had a rough lifestyle, and started coming to church, started going soul winning, and sang in our choir. <laughs> they were growing. They are like, Pastor, pray for me that I, that I get a car. I said, well, you know, I'll pray that if it's God's will that you'll get a car. You know, somebody gave him a car, never saw him again. You, and you don't think that, that, that's happened, that story has happened multiple times at this church. Some, some people, they just, they can't have anything because their hearts will be drawn away by any little new thing. But some people can be trusted with riches. And those people God seems to bless. He can bless them with finances. And in the Bible, you find this theme. You're there in Genesis 13. Look at verse 2. Genesis 13, verse 2. Notice what the Bible says about Abraham. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Abraham was a very rich man, the Bible says. Now, he's not controlled by riches. He did not love riches. He was not working to be rich. He was working for God. But in the process, God could trust him, and God could trust him with some riches. The Bible says that he was a rich man. Go to Genesis 26. Look at verse 12. Genesis 26 and verse 12. Notice Abraham's son, Isaac. Genesis 26 and verse 12. The Bible says, Then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year an hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Notice verse 13. 
And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. I just want you to notice that God throughout the Bible has used rich people for his glory. Look at their son Jacob, Genesis 30, verse 43. Genesis 30 and verse 43, notice what the Bible says. And the man, referring to Jacob, Genesis 30 and verse 43, and the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maidservants and men servants and camels and asses. Here we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers of our faith, the patriarchs, very wealthy men. Look at Joseph, Jacob's son. Genesis 41, look at verse 41. Genesis 41, verse 41. Genesis 41, 41, the Bible says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have sent thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from off his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck and made him to ride on the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bowed the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Joseph, a very powerful man, very uh, 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 politically influential man, very rich man. Go to Ruth, Ruth chapter 2. You're there in Genesis, go past Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Ruth chapter 2. Look at Boaz, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. And Naomi had kinsmen of her husbands, a mighty man of wealth, that's what the Bible calls him of the family of Elimelech. And his name was Boaz. Look at David. 1 Chronicles 29. You're there in Ruth. Go past 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, into 1 Chronicles. Go past 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, into 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 29. Look at verse 28. Notice what the Bible says about David. 1 Chronicles 29. Look at verse 28. And he, referring to David, died in a good old age, full of days. Notice, riches, The continuation is telling us that he was full of these things, full of days, he was full of riches, and full of honor, and Solomon, his son, reigned in his stead. The Bible tells us that David, when he died, was full of days, and full of riches, and full of honor. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 9, one book over, 2 Chronicles chapter 9, look at verse 22, 2 Chronicles 9 and verse 22. Notice what the Bible says about his son Solomon. 2 Chronicles 9, verse 22. And King Solomon passed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Look at Job. Go to Job chapter 42. You're there in 2 Chronicles. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. For some of you, this is the most action in your Bible has gone all week. Job 42. Job 42, look at verse 12. Job 42, verse 12, so the Lord, remember the Bible tells us at the beginning of the book that Job was the greatest man of the East, wealthiest man of the East, most powerful man of the East. Job 42, verse 12, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she-asses. So what was Job? Job was rich. He said, what about the New Testament? Go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, look at verse 57. Matthew 27, verse 57, the Bible says, And when even was come, this is at the death of Christ, 
There came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph. This is Joseph of Arimathea. We're told he was a rich man who also himself was Jesus' disciples. Go, disciple. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy, you find the T books, they're all clustered together. 1 2 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, Titus. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. So what, what's the point you're trying to make? I'm just telling you that Jesus reached and God is interested in reaching people with some resources. I pray that the Lord gives the families in our church and the men in our church and the business owners of our church. I don't remember the exact number. I think we got maybe 15 different business owners in this church. I pray that the Lord blesses your businesses. I pray that the Lord gives you guys, uh, those of you that are working, that he gives you promotions and raises and bonuses. I pray that he gives you more business for those of you in business and bigger sales. But I always pray, Lord, bless them financially unless those finances will draw them away from the Lord. And I, I pray that the Lord will entrust some of you with finances, that you'll be found faithful to be entrusted with finances, that your heart won't be drawn away from the Lord. Can I be honest with you? I say, Pastor, why do you pray that the Lord will bless us financially? Well, part of it, to be honest with you, part of it is because I want the Lord to bless you and for you to have a happy life and be able to provide for your family. That's definitely part of it. You know, I spent a lot of time in this church on a regular basis teaching on the subject of finances, teaching you how to budget, teaching you how to pay off debt, teaching you how to save money, teaching you how to do, do all those things. You say, why do you do that? Well, part of the reason I do that is because I love you. Part of the reason I do that is because I want you to succeed financially. I want you to uh, be able to provide for your family. I want you to be able to win in this, uh, especially those of you that are a single-income family. I want you to be able to do all those things. But, but, but if I was honest with you, there, there's an ulterior motive. See, if I can teach you how to handle your finances properly, and you can go out in the workplace and make more money, that's more money that you can invest in the work of God. You say, are you trying to get rich? I'm not trying to get rich, but I am trying to start more churches. I, I, you say, why do you want us to, to succeed financially so you could help this ministry reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? First Timothy chapter 6, you're there, look at verse 17. First Timothy, and I don't mind if you live in a nice house and drive a nice car and take some nice vacations. But I want you investing yourself into the work of God financially. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Don't start thinking too highly of yourself just because you're making some money. Nor trust in uncertain riches. I like how the Bible calls it. You know that riches are uncertain? He says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Our trust should always be in God, not in riches. But you say, why? Here's why. Notice, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Everything you have came from God. All the success you have came from God. All the finances you have came from God. Every blessing he's given you came from God. Verse 18, you say, why, why should we not trust in uncertain riches? Why should we not get high-minded? Why should we trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy? Here's why, verse 18, that they do good. Talking about rich people. He says, charge them that are rich in the world. Charge them to do what? That they do good. That they be rich in good works. Ready to distribute. Willing to communicate. 
You say, what does that mean? Ready to distribute. Willing to communicate. I know you Fox News Baptists aren't going to like this, but this, commu- this word communicate comes from the same root, root word as, as communism. And it's not talking about a political ideology, but the idea is this, that in the Christian life, you should have this idea that God gives you and you ought to share that. You ought to be ready to distribute, willing to communicate, willing to invest into the house of God. See, Jesus was reaching people, yes, with a past, yes, that lived rough lives, yes, that could not help his ministry financially, but he was also reaching some people with some money. And they were ministering unto him of their substance. You say, who do we need to reach? We need to reach working men, just like Jesus. We need to reach involved women, just like Jesus. We need to reach people with a past, and maybe they aren't a help financially, and maybe they're more of a hindrance and a burden, and and maybe they can't help us, but we love them, and we want to bless them and be a blessing to them. And then we also need to reach some people with resources. We're working towards, and I'm not going to go into any details right now, but we're working towards, you, you know that we're working towards potentially being able to maybe purchase a building someday. And of course, when we do that, it's going to, Lord willing, by the grace of God, be in a nicer location than this. But I'll tell you, I'm going to miss this location. I, I, just think it's, I just think it's nice. I know you don't. I know you don't. And, and look, you're different than I, than I am, and I'm your pastor, and I love you, and I hear you, and I'm for you, and I want to make you happy, all right? Just know that. And I, I know you don't agree with me on this one, and that's fine. I hear you, and we're going we're gonna to get somewhere nicer soon, I'm sure. But I'm going to miss this place. I just, I, just, I just like. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I, I just like seeing these Mercedes pull into the parking lot next to the methadone clinic. I just like the idea of, of, of some of you driving some from very, very nice neighborhoods with some very beautiful houses you live in into Del Paso Heights. It, it, it just shows your love for God. And I just think it kind of just looks a little bit like heaven. I mean, I, I love Verity Baptist Church. I feel like this is what heaven's going to be like. There, there are going to be all sorts of colors and all sorts of backgrounds and all, all sorts of financial uh, uh, abilities. And look, you say you're, you're in a church next to a methadone clinic in, in camp with a bunch of homeless people. And I stand up at the vision offering and say, by the grace of God, we're going to raise $100,000. And this church puts up $150,000 some odd dollars. You say, what is that? That's a church that is reaching working men. That's a church that is reaching involved women. That's a church that is reaching the poor and the downcast and sending a van out and giving rides and helping people and feeding people and loving people. And a church that is reaching people with some money and some resources that are investing into the work of the Lord. That's what Jesus was doing. And that's what I think we should be doing. Luke chapter 8, look at verse 1. We'll, 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 we'll finish up with this. Jesus found all these people. So what did he teach them to do? He taught them all to do the same thing. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings 
glad tidings are good news, the gospel. The glad tidings of the kingdom of God. He got this group of people, and he got them all organized and mobilized to go out and preach the gospel. And he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. You know what I think? I think he put up a big map of Israel, and he started highlighting that thing. You say, why why do you have a map in your office of Sacramento? Because our our goal is to reach every little neighborhood, every area, Natomas, Del Paso Heights, South Sac, West Sac, North Highlands, the Pocket. We'll we'll do the, the Fabulous 50 and we'll do it all. We'll hit North Natomas and South Natomas. We, we, don't, we don't discriminate. We might hit Del Paso a couple more times just because it's ni- easier, not nicer, easier. It's nicer for the soul winners. Jesus had this idea that they were just going to capture a community for Christ. And, and, and I want you to notice, I like to highlight this every once in a while. The apostles took that idea into the book of Acts. Acts. Acts 13, just real quickly. Acts 13, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts 13, look at verse 44. Acts 13, verse 44. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. I love that verse. Amen. I, I hope that can be said of Verity Baptist Church someday, that the whole city heard the word of God. Look at verse 49, same chapter. The word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Look at chapter 14 and verse 1, Acts 14 and verse 1. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogues of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. Look at verse 21, same chapter. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. Go to Acts 17. Look at verse 2. Acts 17 and verse 2. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reason with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believe and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, I love these words, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. See, Jesus was reaching men, women. The apostles were reaching men, women. Acts 17, look verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming hither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Verse 12, Therefore many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. I mean, you read about Jesus, and it's like, he's reaching men, he's reaching women, he's reaching people with a path, he's reaching people with resources. You get into the book of Acts, they're reaching men, they're reaching women, they're reaching high class, they're reaching low class. You say, what, what, how were they doing it? They were all doing it the same way. Going out, knocking doors, uh, 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 town by town, city by city, street by street, neighborhood by neighborhood, reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our goal. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. I, I, I'm just telling you what we're trying to do. 
what we've been trying to do, what we will continue to do at Verity Baptist Church, we will reach as many men as possible. We will reach as many women as possible. We will reach the poor. We will reach the rich. We will reach uh, those that can help us and those that cannot help us. And we will motivate and we will mobilize and we will mentor and we will send them out. A soul winning army to reach this community for Christ. Then it might be said of Sacramento, if Verity Baptist Church knocked every door, went into every highway, into all the hedges, preaching the gospel, reaching people with the gospel, and along the way, discipling, baptizing, and gathering, working men, involved women, people with the past, people with resources, reaching this community, the gospel of Christ. Let's bow our heads and I will pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for these verses. I know these are verses that we might just quickly look past as we read our Bibles. But they give us a little bit of insight into the ministry of Christ, the earthly ministry of Christ, the type of people that he was reaching, and help us, Lord, to reach those same types of people. And Lord, what we're trying to say is that we're trying to reach everybody. Men, women, children, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to continue to reach people with the gospel of Christ. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.